Hello, everybody. This is the Four T's in the Church podcast, where we talk about four ways males who are attracted to the same sex can experience intimacy with their male brothers within the church. I'm your host, Richard Padilla. I'm here with Dr. Tonis, who has joined us before, and also joining us today is Dr. Talley. Here are some quick intros of uh, our professors. Uh, both are professors of biblical studies here at Biola University. Professor Tonis is the head of the Biblical and Theological Studies Department for the undergrads. Dr. Tonis is committed to teaching biblical and systematic theology so Biola students can fulfill the Great Commission in whatever context they are in. He is also an elder of the local church he is a part of and it helps lead the church in community growth. Professor Tonis is a mentor to many and has walked alongside many Christians in their ups and downs in life. So thank you, Professor Tonis, for uh, being here. It's good to be with you again, Richard. Sweet. Thanks, Professor Tonis. Dr. Talley is a professor of Old Testament theology, the Pentateuch and the Prophets. He has researched areas of the fall and how it relates to our redemption, specifically studying gender and the male and female redemptive process in the context of marriage. He has also pastored and been an, been an elder in his local church and works with international churches to spread the gospel in Muslim-populated areas. Well, thanks for having me. Both of my guests here are also signers of the Nashville Statement, which we will get to in a bit. But for now, let's do some small talk about the four T's. We're here talking about, well, I want to talk about the Nashville Statement, but before that, I want to talk about some emails I received this past month that I think will help us lead into whether, well, just our ideas of the, the Nashville Statement and how we think it's helpful in ways I don't think it's helpful. But yeah, these emails I got from this last month from people I don't know. I couldn't really talk to them this past month, though, because I was in Spain. But some of these emails had me thinking about the four T's a lot because I couldn't do anything about these emails. You know, I'm walking and uh, I also think these emails show the, the urgency of, of this topic um, and how we could help those who struggle with this. So, uh, Professor Thomas, if you could read the email I received. I have no idea how I found you. The four T's is brilliant and true. 61-year-old Christian man who wants to commit suicide because of my same-sex attraction. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, but I'm done. My loneliness is defeating. It's suffocating me. I know I'm supposed to be horrified at thinking suicide would come and would ever be a solution, but I can't do life anymore. I was going to try to write more than this, but I'm too tired. I love Jesus. I'm through. Thanks for reading. Hmm. So... What did you think about this when I emailed you? That's uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Despair is a lie from the pit of hell that mm-hmm. we can all be tempted to believe when we're weary of the battle, whatever that battle may look like. And so we need to speak truth into that despair mm-hmm. and realize that Jesus is the source of hope that would kill despair every time. Uh, yeah, so... That that is one of the reasons why I want to do the four T's is these emails uh, remind me that I'm not just talking to young men. I'm talking to men who are 55, who are married with kids that are hooking up on the side because they haven't got these deep needs met in a healthy way or in a holy way. And so that's that's been a, a harsh reminder is, oh, I'm not just talking to young people. That was a rough email when I got that. Uh, and I got another email, and if you could read that, Professor Telly. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for being vulnerable in your podcast. I found your website and podcast when you were on the YOB podcast, podcast of Physical Touch with Tom and Elliot. I have, I have been listening to all the podcasts. I'm not done yet. I currently 
listening to emotional transparency. The way you and your guests talk about issues that we as SSA guys deal and struggle with have helped me so much. I have lived as a gay man for 10 years. March 2018 will be a year since I've walked away from the gay lifestyle. At the age of 32, I've started to deal with the issues in my life. Like the song said, I don't know, didn't know I was hungry until I tasted you. Hmm. That is exactly how I feel. Every time I felt alone, I ran to sex, yet it didn't help. As far as I know, I'm the only gay guy in my church. Your blogs and podcasts have helped me to navigate this journey I'm on. The more I learn about my needs, the more I teach my church on what I want and need. Keep up the awesome work you do. I love it. That was uh, an encouraging email. He is actually from a country in Africa. It was cool to, to learn that, hey, like, people in Africa are listening to some of the podcasts. So, and this is the last email I'll go, go through and then... Uh, yeah, we'll keep going. Hello, Richard. I thought that I needed to thank you for the site and for what you are bringing to Christian Brothers in terms of love. I'm a bit conflicted in writing this to you because I differ from you a great deal theologically, but I see something I can't ignore in what you are saying, and I feel the need to reconcile what I've experienced in life and what I have learned from your site. From what you've written, it sounds like you are no stranger to confronting different, differing opinions. So I hope you help me understand your perspectives and understand that I'm not trying to debate or fight you. I just have a different journey from yours, and I feel that you can help me with mine. Firstly, I should probably be full, fully transparent in saying that I am openly gay, in a relationship, and seeking ordination to become a pastor. So yeah, we have a lot of differences in, theolo in the theology of sexuality. Then there is the truth that I read all over your site. Things that men who either say that they are ex-gay or struggle with SSA have in common with me. I am starred for Christian brotherhood that is appropriate between men who are platonic friends. I, like you, feel that I'm left out of the straight man's group that isn't scared to be affectionate, to be naked, physically and metaphorically, with one another, to build each other up in our masculinity without fear of being perceived as a pervert for being open about feelings and physiologically. I crave closeness. I hope you're open to hearing about my journey and to answering questions about yours. It's strange. I feel like we may never agree on sexual ethics, but I have a great deal in common with regard to theology of sexuality, masculinity, and Christian brotherhood. Can we please just keep talking? And when I read this email, I was, uh, it was, it excited me and it saddened me, I guess. Um, because again, I think what I'm trying to do with the four T's is meet the needs or not. I'm, I can't, but I want, I have so much hope that the church can meet the needs of these men who are, you know, we're sitting by them in church. We're going to each other's houses, but like, we're just not sharing these parts of our lives and so uh the context i'm in is hey i i want i have so much hope that the church could love those who struggle with this and uh that's why i'm doing the four t's and so it was interesting though because last year in the summer one day uh, i saw something called the nashville statement and when i read it i was like oh this is interesting i i i didn't know who you know who wrote it yet but uh someone posted on facebook and i was reading it and the more I read it, I realized, okay, this is condemning homosexuality and bringing up a bunch of other topics. But what was saddening me was I didn't see, I remember that day, I, I just, I wanted to hear, and the church is going to help those who struggle with this. And when I kept reading down the list, I didn't really see that. And I, I was, I was pissed. I was angry. Called a bunch of friends, had therapy that, that night too. So I was able to voice all my frustrations to my therapist and one of my friends that I talked to he said and he's a Biola alumni he said something that I think is true he said uh Richard this is it's a missed opportunity 
all these great leaders come together, they sign something. But instead of talking about how can we love our brothers, they wanted to talk about truth. A lot of people have a lot of issues with some of the articles. I think my biggest concern was, ah, so many great men came together and they didn't stress, let's talk about how can we help those who struggle with this. Instead, they stressed truth. That's what was hard for me to accept. We could go through articles and all that, but I think that was my overall concern was we missed something right now. Other people, you know, they wrote stuff, and, and even I did too. I, I wrote my own uh, revision of the Nashville Statement. But I'm even today, when I was preparing for this, I realized like that was my concern was we missed this. Um, at least that's how I see it. But I like to hear I would like to hear some of your guys' uh, perspective on this because uh, yeah, you guys are signers of it. And actually, I <laughs> out of my frustration and anger, I wrote something. Professor Thomas replied to it. Actually, I named you. I don't know if you've ever read that or not. Eric, oh, okay. Eric finds all cool. this stuff. <laughs> so I, I, and he I, I, tr bliss a lot of time. I try to be respectful. I felt like I, I was, I wanted to be respect, respectful and yet show like, Hey, I really disagree with this. I remember when we met up, it calmed me down to know, okay, what's the heart behind all of this? I disagree with what's going on still, but it was to know there's still good intentions. There was very calming for me. Cause I'm like, Hey, cool. Well, they weren't just they they were trying to be as thoughtful as they can, and that helped me understand what was behind this. But a lot of people haven't had that conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's the past year I've been thinking about, like, well, they're pastors, they're they're dealing with things I'm not dealing with. And so, anyways, I'd like to in. know. Yeah, I go for it. Hear from me. Uh, let me tell you something that I thought when Eric read his email, I read mine, and you read yours. That I think really gets at, I think, an important issue. So when you say all those great men and women, by the way, came together and there was this opportunity, um, and I can't remember the exact words you used, but the thing that I think is so important to understand about the Nashville Statement is that everyone is dysfunction, dysfunctional sexually mm -hmm. in some way on a continuum. The Nashville Statement doesn't just go after those who have same-sex attraction. The Nashville Statement is directed toward, I would say, every single person because we're all on that continuum somewhere of dysfunction. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. They did not set out then to go, all right, we've got to, we've got to love this person, that person, that person, that person, that person. So when, when the, the homosexual community reacted against that, um, it was a surprise to me hmm. because if I took this email right here and this guy who feels all alone in his struggle, I could give you I, I could give you five names right now of individuals who will sit in our church on Sunday morning mm. and feel like they're the only one on that point of the continuum struggling sexually like they're struggling. So your average guy sitting in the church pew is not sitting there going, you know, I'm so glad to be here with five or ten other guys that struggle with masturbation. Yeah. Or, I really am glad that in this church someone had an affair this week just like I did. Or, they may think that maybe others struggle with pornography because they see the percentages, but they really think it's, you know, 0.001%, and it's really them mm -hmm. that's struggling with that. So there's this big continuum there. I could take this email... I can take the one Eric read, the one you read, and people are on that continuum, and people even have disagreements theologically about what is okay 
in what isn't. It's just that in the world today, homosexuality is the one that's really hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that people wouldn't feel strongly about, can, can you believe that statement says you can't have sex out of marriage? I can't believe the audacity, oh, yeah. the audacity of those people coming together and making that statement. All those good people in the room, and they're not talking about how we can love those who are having sex outside of... See, it's a continuum of sexual issues that are there. And so I would guess, and especially knowing Eric, that when 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 the uproar happened afterwards, I bet you every one of them wish they could have gone back into the room and gone, okay, this is... We, we didn't see this one hitting the fan so hard. We might have guessed it. Yeah. But we didn't see it hitting so hard, so... And they they might have you know been able to be more proactive on things, but their goal was the truth of God's word, and that statement impacts every single sexual being that I know mm. as something to receive from that statement and to go, my goodness, I'm I'm wrestling mm-hmm. in my relationship with God, and so I'm thinking of a man who, for years. The only way he could have sex with his wife was to watch porn films yeah. or yeah. to mentally think about other women with large breasts so that he could actually have sex with his wife who had small breasts. That's horrible. I mean, that's just horrible to bring that into marriage. Now, he may think he's the only one. I guarantee he's not the only one out there. That continuum is huge. Anyway, I talked a long time, but I think that's an important yeah. part of this statement. Well, so, and this is where I think... The, there's a, I guess I think there's a disconnect between pastoral care and those who are specifically side B. I think we, we like someone like me, we could drown in our pain so much that it's hard to remember. Other people are dealing with a lot of crap. The difference I still think is someone who is dealing with what you just talked about could still talk to a pastor or someone else who maybe has gone through that. And there's no shame in the sense of like, oh man, if I, well, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't see shame in the sense of, well, he's a guy. He might know what it means to like, oh, I might lust after this girl or that girl or that girl. But when someone like me comes along and says, hey, I'm, I think I'm attracted. I'm dealing with same-sex attraction. I might, I'm, attra- I'm attracted to my friend. People don't know what to do. It's all, and then, and then the, they sort of give advice like, well, don't hang out with him anymore. Don't put yourself in places that cause you to stumble. But then that puts that takes me out, out of, basically out of the brotherhood of Christianity because... <laughs> for so, so many of my friends are attractive guys and so I, I i guess i think the consequence of struggling with homosexuality is it's more isolating in in the sense of connection with the brothers that could help you do that where maybe if someone that struggles with what you just brought up there's still brotherhood that like that could walk with them at least i believe i believe so i think it's hard to find that same brotherhood for this topic and i think i'm trying to create that with the four T's. No, I, I get that. And th- this is where I, I think maybe one of the issues, I think it's really a major issue in the church today is lacking wisdom. So if you, if you actually understand, okay, I can't identify with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You talk about this attraction to this guy right here. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I can't identify with that, but that doesn't mean if that I can't be wise Yes. and say, okay, I understand we're just on different points of the continuum of sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But we're both, there is a brotherhood in the fact that we are actually struggling with this. Yeah. And so here's your point and here's my point. 
But if there's that desire that we both lay this down before the foot of the cross and seek his mercy and seek to live for him, we're both going to be dealing with wherever we are. And we're going to try to be try to find out as much as we can about what God's design for sexuality is, realizing we're just not there and we won't be there this side of heaven. And I think at least the perception a lot of pe- people like me have is, is and this is so sad because we're not perfect people. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm complaining right now, but we're not perfect people. Yeah. So there's like messed up churches all over the place and we're all just trying. There's still the perception that why are these heterosexual pastors only talking about porn whenever they do or marriage whenever they do that like the pulpit all the all the examples and stories are my wife and i have the best wife i have the best marriage or just whatever marriage is hard but it's never like hey uh let's talk about same-sex attraction today over the pulpit like that's not going on and that's why i sound professor tonis when we met up that summer it felt like for those for those of us who are side B, we feel like there's two armies. There's a gay affirming army, and then there's the the Christian. Well, I'm gonna say the Christian army, and there's we already feel the line. We know there's a line of what is right and wrong, but it seemed like my Christian community didn't think there was a line, and so they're like, "Well, we need to draw a line." So we're gonna pull out all of our swords to draw this line to make this statement. And when that happened, it felt like I got sliced too, and it's like, wait, I'm on the same team why do I feel so hurt by this? And those who are side A or gay affirming, they, I feel like they had less of, they, they were just like, oh, whatever, here we go. It's the, it's the traditional Christians again telling us what's wrong. They didn't really care, but a lot of side B guys felt hurt. Like, and so I'm just saying that, that is what happened during that season. But can we explore that for a moment? Why, when, when the statement really, I mean, it, let's just be fair. The statement really is about a continuum of sexual dysfunction. Is, is that is that fair? It's hard to feel like it is. Okay. Or when I read it, like it's okay. hard to see that. There's feelings. We can deal with feelings. But let's actually deal with fact for a second. And then we'll try to bring feelings in. Because we've got a lot of other things that... I don't even know if the statement even deals with bestiality and things like that that are mm. out there. I mean, so there's a, there, there's a funnel to what people wrestle with in our society okay you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna see way more heterosexual issues that are gonna be out there and then homosexual but is there bestiality type well absolutely there's all kind of stuff out there there are there are passive sexual issues and aggressive active rape Mm. kind of issues that are out there too so the factual side of it is that this statement is seeking to deal with and, and now that I'm even thinking about it is there anything about bestiality in there? No. It, it's not even comprehensive sexuality but still it's trying to deal with the continuum of dysfunction so it is important that when you read it and you feel marginalized okay, you, you feel what, what was the word that you used? You feel sliced. Yeah. Yeah, sliced. So that's really important to bring into the discussion but I'm not certain that that's completely about the statement itself. Okay. It may be about some other things that are going on in the church and, and how we relate to one another. And even the freedom to talk about it may be less about the small group you're in. Because when, you're, when I'm in a small group with guys, you're right, the heterosexual issues will come up. Mm-hmm. I've never had a guy ever talk about bestiality. 
in a small group I was in. Or cross-dressing, because a lot yeah. of guys cross-dressing. actually struggle with that and don't talk about it. So it could be there, but I, I don't know how to get guys there even. I mean, I'll ask the hard questions. Mm-hmm. Most guys know I'll ask the hard questions. But there was a long time ago that I realized I just needed help. So whether you ask the hard questions or not, I'm just going to tell you. Because I know I'm on this yeah. continuum somewhere, and I want to be like Jesus. And I want to be like Jesus enough that I'm going to talk about it. And you got to find safe places. I mean, I don't broadcast it. Yeah. You know, I don't have some new sin come into my life, and I'm standing up preaching on Sunday morning. You know, this week for the first time I struggled with this. You know? So this is why this is interesting is because I, I, it's not like I disagree with what you're saying, but the perception I have is this targeted homosexuality. Yeah, it did, because there's tremendous confusion about this issue, and that's what motivated this more than anything. So, I'm on the board of Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and for years we have had youth pastors, pastors, uh, people in the church saying, please give us something that brings clarity to this incredibly confused issue in our culture. So, I don't know what the percentage is, but... Even evangelical young people, especially, who believe homosexuality is wrong in the Bible, they're not convinced it really matters that much whether it's right or wrong. Mm. So yeah. so what do I do with a, a kid who's identifying as the opposite gender that he was born? So yeah. t- there's tremendous confusion, tremendous compromise. So I do realize that some people who are already convinced that it's biblically wrong who are fighting the good fight every day may feel like this is piling on. Like, I get it, I get it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not written for you. It's written for people who are confused, who want answers for people who are confused. So that means, so I I have, I broke a windshield one time by punching it because I have an anger problem. I drove that car. Right, right. <laughs> if you're my friend, I want you to be gracious, compassionate, patient, help me with that. But, I don't want you in the least to be unclear about the sinfulness of that anger. Mm-hmm. You're not helpful to me. You're not loving to me if you in any way are unclear about that anger. Try to justify it, rationalize it. I was just talking to a friend yesterday who uh, was unfaithful to his wife. And after a friend of his found that out, he came up to him and he said, You're not the first man I've ever met who sold his inheritance for a bowl of soup. Hmm. And my friend found that incredibly encouraging because he wasn't trying to downplay the, the badness of it. He wasn't trying to minimize the, the devastation of it. But he was in it with him and he was recognizing it with him. And so speaking the truth in love requires a clarity. And you said, did we miss an opportunity? Well, it depends on what, one, the purpose of the statement was. Mm-hmm. and two, what you find helpful. That's what's been amazing to me about this. So people say it's not helpful, it's not encouraging, it's not, um, it's not pastoral, but it depends what you find as helpful and encouraging and pastoral because I find Article 12 as helpful as anything could possibly be. We affirm <laughs> that the grace of God in Christ gives both merciful pardon and transforming power and that this pardon and power enable a follower of Jesus to put to death sinful desires and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We deny that the grace of God in Christ 
is insufficient to forgive all sexual sins and give power for holiness to every believer who feels drawn into sexual sin. There's not a word in there. Hallelujah. <laughs> What's, what could possibly be more helpful than that? It's the gospel. Sure. It's not. It's focused on my sin, everybody's sin. And so, if you don't find that helpful, I don't know what else to say. I want to. We could go. I want to go through all the articles. We have. We have thirty minutes to do that. I want to. I want to. No, 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 I want to make sure that we address your question. Do we miss an opportunity? Uh, we affirm for Article Thirteen that the grace of God in Christ enables sinners to forsake these uh, transgender self conceptions by divine forbearance to accept the God ordained link between one biological sex. And one self-conception is male and female. God-ordained, divine forbearance, the grace of God in Christ sanctions all self-conceptions that are... So these are affirming, grace-filled uh, statements for all sinners. But this is what this is what is confusing to me is, is evangelicals especially emphasize the local church. We talk about the local church. Are you connected to the local mm -hmm. church? Are you accountable to your pastors, your small group? Like, there's an emphasis in the local church. Um... There's even books about. I, I I love the book Uncomfortable. Did you read like it was a great book about the local church. Uh, but then what confuses me is there, then there's a national a, na a national statement. And the thing is like look different pastors or different teachers teach different things about this topic, sure. and we're all in agreement. But when there's a national statement specifically for even evangelicals, that's usually that's, I think the statement is a little it has that evangelical attitude. And I, I don't yeah, mean that in no, a negative it's way. Evangelical, yeah, for sure. But if if we're if we're stressing local church uh, leadership, I don't understand why. Where did this right. national so, leadership so this come is from? It's not a statement on how sanctification is accomplished. It's not a statement on the spiritual disciplines. You could argue. What about prayer? Isn't prayer a sense for everything? What, I mean, I talked to you about this last time. Your four T's could be picked apart left and right because of what it doesn't include. Right? Yeah, yeah. So any statement you make is going to have glaring omissions because you didn't intend to. So that's why we have all of these articles that followed the, the statement that have come out since that talk about all these different issues because we wanted to get a bare-bones statement that people would actually read because it wasn't five pages. Mm -hmm. And then we follow it up with art. Now, if people well, choose not to read the follow-ups. That's on them. Sure. So well, let's go there. through. Let's go through some of the articles because there are some things that I want to address in that. As long as we acknowledge the gospel-affirming, grace-heaping uh, core of this, that's what I mean. If we don't find the gospel affirming and pastoral, we've got nothing. So, so huh. to say that this isn't affirming pastoral, that it's somehow just just heaps of condemnation yeah. on people who battle same-sex attraction or practice homosexuality. No, this is for all sinners. This is for all, especially sexual sinners, which includes all of us. All of us. Then it's it's interesting to know why did people not perceive that? Why was that even last? Why was that even last? Because by the time we get to Article 12 or 13, I already stumbled over number one, number seven. Okay. All right, here, here's part of my thinking on just as we were reading these emails, as you were talking about how it felt to you, Satan loves to divide and conquer. If we feel alone in our sin, he wins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, no temptation has seized you that isn't common to man, yeah. but God who is faithful will provide a way of escape. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all ways like us, yet was without sin, and we follow in his steps. So we have freedom. 
We have no condemnation in Christ. We're not alone in this. The Bible tells me that. So if I feel alone in my sin, I'm not listening to God's word. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. to listen to his word. So if I feel alone, if I feel... No, if, if you come to me and say that was sinful anger, that was impatience, that was pride, as Dave has done in my life, <laughs> and I'm thankful for it, not by mincing words, but by shooting straight with me, that's love, and I hear it as love. Yeah. Oh, see, I agree I agree with all of that. What is confusing still is... is the, there just seems like... There's this a disconnect. So, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to connect it. I'm like, because I don't. Well, I don't disagree with that. And I think I'm more fortunate to have guy friends I could talk to about th- my life. Like they're all the guys on my phone. I could text saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm, I feel lustful right now, or whatever." Or this guy, like I could text anything to my guy friends. Major, and I think I'm unique in that. That I'm lucky. Even this weekend, I went on a retreat with a bunch of side B men. And a lot of them are saying after they left, they felt lonely. They felt like they wish this was the community that they live in. And they all go to church. Right, and But again, it, 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 I think we talked about this last time, Richard, too. There could be a way of generalizing in a negative way about the church. Yeah. So that, that open letter you wrote to Dave and me and other guys, you kept saying, "Have you ever? do you even know any gay people? Do you do you reach out to them? And I would just go saying, yes, yes, yes. yes and they yes, all like, yes, and they all yes, like the yes. side. Do they all like the <laughs> statement? Did they, did they feel like the national statement was actually Some helpful? of them helped us write it. <sighs> yeah, it's, Sam Albury, Sam Albury I, I mean, I just read that with divine forbearance. That was Sam's insertion. He battled same-sex attraction every day of his life. So, so again, there's a subjectivity in how you, something lands. And that's the beauty of a written statement. I can read to you the gospel-keeping grace part of it and say, well, didn't you read that? And you say, yeah, but that's not really what I felt. That's not okay. Well, okay, yeah. It, people do that with the Bible. They say, hey, hey, why is the Bible got such a mean God? Or why is the Bible hateful toward women? Or why is the Bible... Well, let's look at it and see if it actually is that. And I guess, yeah, this is why I I have a hard time with a bunch of church leaders that, that do stress local church all of a sudden want to make a statement for almost all churches. Because other churches... Well, I want to go through the articles because okay. there's a specific article that everyone... Yeah, is, so, yeah. But we could... Uh, Let's go through some of them, yeah? They're not really... I mean, Eric would know better than I was. This, It is for churches. Yeah. But it's not to satisfy them or pacify them. It's really to bring out what they believe the Bible teaches, a, an evangelical viewpoint of what that teaches. Now, you can say, I don't ascribe to the evangelical viewpoint. Okay. I mean, that that's one thing. But I, I like what Eric was saying, too, that somehow, how do we... How do we separate, because I was saying earlier too, how do we separate fact from feeling? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what the document states. Now, I felt this, but it's not because you indicted me. I, I felt something, and i got to figure out why I felt that. But I'm not going to land blast the statement because of that. Sure. I think, though, there's a context. Whenever, whenever we talk about truth, there's a context that we have to remember we're in. And I guess, I, at least I think we... It seems like the people who wrote this, and I would even say Sam, Sam Elberry, I think he doesn't know the context that a lot of side B people are in, then, if that's the case. Sam doesn't know. He's a pastor. He's, he's spoken he, before. But that's, parliament that's what's issue. confusing, though, is like, I, because it's like I want to bring in all the 47 people on the retreat hey, I was with. When somebody calls out sin in my life with clarity, I don't feel condemned. I feel affirmed in my fight against it. I say, that's right. 
That's why I'm fighting against it. Mm -hmm. I've had folks who battle same-sex attraction to me, to me saying it is so discouraging to me when I hear arguments trying to downplay the sinfulness of this, of homosexuality, because then I wonder what I'm fighting for. Yeah. It makes me feel like, why am I fighting for this? So, yeah. so clarity for someone who's fighting the battle should make you say, that's right. That's why I hate lies. That's why I hate objectification of, of women. That's why. It's interesting to me, though, that no one is saying, hey, what about, in this Me Too movement, what about these sexual assault assaulters? What about them? Don't you... Don't you care for them? Don't don't you want to have a compassionate voice for yeah, them? You know, this does mm. they don't just decide to wake up yeah. and then be a sexual predator. <laughs> oh, for right? sure, yeah. Now I'm all for condemning the sin. Yeah. But in the same thing these days with racism, and, and actually what's interesting is in our culture is in our culture, to be anti gay is about one of the worst things. You'll lose a job. For like sure. That. You're yes. done in Hollywood. You're whatever. An athlete needs to go on an apology tour if he says he says a, a word against homosexual, right? So there's so much now. If you say something racist or or anti-gay today, that'll lose you a job in a lot of places. So yeah. So there's not. So I what I want to. If you sign the Nashville state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then so then what I want to understand is you you guys as signers think okay as I sign this and think it's good for the church local churches specifically evangelical churches. You guys are thinking side B people are going to be okay with this. Um, Okay, because... I'm a side B sinful anger person. I think it's wrong. I think my sinful anger is wrong. I fight it every day. People who somehow try to justify it and say, no, he's high-spirited. That's what you call him. <laughs> he's no, it's sin. And so if you agree with me on my view of the sinfulness of my sinful anger, I'm going to feel encouraged in the battle by you. Okay. And I... I would agree. I agree with Especially that. Especially if you know I'm getting a constant voice of minimizing the sinfulness of. So again, this is then why I, what well, at least now what I'm confused about is what what am I hearing and what are you guys hearing, because I'm still hearing the national statement sucked, and so why is there? Well, people say the Bible does too. Sure, so, but we're not so... talking about those people. We're talking about like people who already believe homosexuality is wrong. We we agree with that. We want. We want the best for the church. We want we want there to be great community. Why was that disconnect? Well, I'm curious. I, I, like part of the reason. I think part of the reason. So if you talk to some of the folks who who battled same sex attraction their whole life, wh whether it's Sam or um, uh, or, or others who were yeah. involved in that, they find a clear statement on this issue, liberating, it uh, freeing, encouraging in the battle they're fighting every day. They find it important because what it's stating is we don't define ourselves by our desires we don't define ourselves by our behaviors we define ourselves by being made in god's image by being his children by grace through faith in christ and being set free from any sinful desires or behaviors mm -hmm. we may have and so sam hates this idea that his his same-sex desire defines him in some way and, and so when there's a statement that doesn't define him by his desires or his his behaviors. It's liberating to him. It's affirming to him. So that's so that's cool for him, right? That that's great. He feels that. For me, when I read this again, I was like, okay, fine. Like I whatever. What then confuses me is there are certain things that say, like if I forgot which article it is, because well, I wanted to get it. to the article. Let's find it. Uh, I think it's like. Let's look at it. 
Um, I won't go there yet. Okay. <laughs> we affirm that it is sinful. We're, we're Article ten. Article ten. It says. We affirm that it is sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faithfulness and witness. That's right. So for me, I'm too afraid to say someone is sinning by uh, by approving or cuz some some of the people I know don't know what to do with this. Or or even transgender like even the topic of transgenderism, I guess, which is a lot of people didn't like that word. Even even for myself, I'm still I've never met the only person I've known who was a transgender was someone I work with at Target who said she's well she was turning into a, a he she said she would never step into a church because she'll just burn and I just remember thinking like oh man that's a that's her idea of the church I never got to become her friend or anything it's hard for me to know is is that what is what she's experiencing actually gonna uh, keep her away from God's kingdom, set her apart. Yeah. Because I've never been through that, that experience. That sounds judgmental to me. That, that sounds... So if I were to say I would never meet with anyone in the homosexual community because they'll condemn me because I'm a Christian, well, that's judgmental. I, I'm going to assume the best of people who are in that community. I'm not going to outright judge people. That, that, can, so, that can sound um, like the church has a problem. But... It, if I were to say I'm not going to meet with this group of people, I'm not. Isn't that being judgmental? Maybe, but I feel like that's like for me. I think birth control is sinful. All my friends use birth control, and I actually think it's sinful. I think it's one. I think it's a way heterosexuality gets to justify their sexuality. But you know, if I wrote a statement, I'll, I'll people people don't even, actually even jackals don't really care because I talk about this and no one really. It's like it's sort of brushed aside. But I, I actually think it's sinful. I think it goes against God's okay. design for sexuality. And yet, I have you know, I live in community with people who use birth control. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, so many people here, people here are justifying their sexuality. Right, but it's important to, to realize that some issues are more clear than others among Christians. And, tr- and you think transgenderism is... trans? You think a transgendered experience is one of those? Well, yeah, so... Someone who's very much experienced in that personally helped us with this issue. And the question is to adopt it. Do you adopt this identity? Do you make it your own? Do you okay. affirm it? Do you yeah, approve yeah. it? Adopted is the word that actually someone who's, who's battled has helped us with, right? Do you adopt it? Do you make it your own? And, and that is a, a, a wrong way of thinking about anything that isn't according to God's design. Now, mm-hmm. I could come up with all kinds of reasons why I battle the particular besetting sins I do in my life. And I don't want to be simplistic about it. I don't want you to be simplistic about the sins I battle in my life because I want you to be compassionate and gracious, but I also don't want you to be confused about the sinfulness of those sins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the tough thing. We want to be compassionate. We want to be gracious. We want to understand the complexity of sin. But we also want to be very clear about it in a culture that is anything but... Sure, but I don't. I guess some of these topics, such as the transgender experience, I don't think it's that clear. Especially when there are people that have sexual issues just from birth. What I'm appealing to is the fact that humanity's fallen. That means physiologically we're fallen. The brain is jacked up. It's like, man, we're fallen in many ways. But that's true of every sin, right? So racism. 
I mean, people, people, racism is a complex thing. I, I know racists who, I know. I don't all, think it's the same thing. Well, sin is sin on one level. Sure. And, and it's complex no matter what the sin is. And we can find all kinds of factors for it. And the brain is what yeah. leads to a lot of that. The brain is part of it. Physiology. physiology yes. What, I guess, I'm, I'm confused. And this is actually me, like, I'm confused yeah. on this article that says if you affirm any of this stuff, you're also sinning. Because for me, I don't know where I stand on the topic of someone who's experiencing the transgender experience. Okay, are you sinning if you affirm racism? I think so. Yeah, I well, would say I'll yeah. <laughs> I know Christians. I know true born-again Christians who, who have biblical justification for their racism. So how could you judge them? Well, I don't care about judging. I judge a lot of people. It, <laughs> I think, I guess, and I guess this is what's interesting for like my own life is I, I want to talk to someone who's going through the whole transgender experience because I want to know, hey, like... So do I. It's hard for me, but if, if I don't agree with the statement, it feels like, wow, they think I'm sinning if I don't agree with them when I'm not even there yet. And I'm, I'm someone who struggles with homosexuality. Yeah, so if I, I think if you reject God's design for human beings in general, including our sexuality, if, if you... If you think that using anything God's given us for purposes that don't align with his ways in the Bible, <laughs> that's... Sure. I mean, and I agree with that. That's why I bring up birth control. But people, it's, it's just that whole natural argument right, is it, interesting because it, sure. it, it seems quite arbitrary. Sure, but for you to include the birth control discussion on something... So that's like saying, well... I, I'm happy to meet with Christians who have a different view of the, the millennium uh, than I do. Right? So, so, yeah. Th there is a difference. One person asked me, well, what would I do if I met a Christian who who considers himself transgender? And I, I just said, well, I don't really know yet where I stand on this, but what I would say is whatever they think they are, male or female, then I'm going to apply a Christian ethic to them still and say, hey, if you think you're supposed to be a woman, fine, I... Because I don't get right, this. Right, I'm going to so make sure you live as a woman and, and glorify God the way women should. Because, yeah, that's where I'm at, right? But, but Richard, Christians should be people who are grounded in reality, not just someone's experiences. So if, sure. I, if I know someone has an eating disorder and they're painfully thin, and yet they require I refer to them as a overweight person, it would be <laughs> deeply unkind for me to affirm a yeah. false perception. I agree, And I agree with that. I guess what I'm kind of, I, I'm just too afraid to submit to something that I haven't got to yet. And it, it's not that I'm just sitting around, like I'm, I'm researching this stuff. I'm learning. Right. I want to talk to people. I don't think there's lack of clarity on the fact that God made male and female. Sure. I agree. I agree with that. I think what I don't understand is how has sin distorted this so much? Tor terribly. Yeah. On every level. I don't think we know the, 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 how deep that goes. And, and I, God has made us to be married to one man or one woman. But we get that all messed up. We get it messed up at every level. We still have time. Okay. So, well, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. So, Richard, help me understand why you keep pushing back on some of the... I mean, you, you keep going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this one case, well, what is it that drives that? I think I think the overall context we're, in, context we're in, which is why I wanted to bring up the context we're in, me and a quite a few people have the perception that there are leaders who don't understand this topic 
and and maybe we're wrong. I'm just letting you guys know. This is our. You are. This is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said you don't understand it actually. Well, some things I don't, because I and I'm like I want to learn. Um, but so this is the this is the I want I want connection to happen between leaders and those who feel like they're not being led well. Like we whether whether it's sin. true or not. We understand sin. We deal with it's kind of what we do for a living. <laughs> in our own lives yeah. so, and in the lives of people we care with. My, we're experts. We go to war with sin every day in our own hearts and lives. My pushback is is I I guess I think there's a disconnection from what people who want to be led by other church leaders are feeling, which is why is there such a this is how it goes mentality when even someone like me, I'm like, well, I align with these leaders. I don't align with the birth, their views of birth control. I think that's sinful, but I can't talk about that. And if anything, I think I will be hushed if I said, hey, some of these guys who signed this think birth control is okay, and yet they're going to talk about Article 1, which is like the design of man and woman and procreation, and the church is okay if people get married and never have kids. Well, don't you think that they would have included birth control in a document like this if they could see the clear teaching of Scripture on something like that? I think... I think just like homosexuals are fallen, just like those who want to consider themselves transgenders are fallen, I think heterosexuals are fallen. And that's, to me, a blind spot because it, they want to justify what they feel. Like, and we were talking about feelings earlier, and I think, like, when I ask my, my guy friends, like, why do you use birth control? It's, well, it's not in Scripture, but, but, but Scripture doesn't have a lot of things that we think are still sinful. You, you might want to slow down because I think the Nashville Statement gives you some support for your more Catholic view on, on birth control. Cause it's, I didn't say that, Catholic for the record. Well, just, well I'm you going, have some yeah. friends over there. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't, I wouldn't use the word sin, but my wife and I, at some point in our marriage said, we're not going down the birth control route anymore. But, but Rich, you do realize that article one says procreative. Yes, I do. I see that. Yeah. Would we be fine if people didn't intentionally procreate? And let me say, this isn't the topic I'd care to talk about. My, but my point is, my point is, it seems like again, there's an emphasis on what is what is sinful, and and it just seems like yeah, homosexuality was targeted. Yet it seems like well, we all know at least people from the side of B camp. It's like we all know it's sinful. This isn't in our mind. It's not even debatable. Again, please hear me. We, you have clarity on it. So it wasn't for you. And yeah. you should be affirmed on on an affirmation of what the, you say you believe. If it wasn't for me, it should not have been a national statement. Nashville. Or, but yeah, I'm saying like a national so statement. So who should we have released it to? Well, I think... In the world of the internet. I just... Well, and that's what's confusing <laughs> me. Like, if we're going to become one big evangelical church, then we got to think about the people who do identify as gay, such as Wesley Hill. Because that was one of the, the sure. issues was... Sure. There are certain side to be Christians who sure. say, hey, I'm, I'm a gay Christian. Yeah. And people were saying that goes against their work. and Right, so yeah, there, there was a statement there trying to bring clarity on the whole orientation idea that, that I think is a very troubling development. It's a new idea that even orientation exists. Yeah. For all of human history, there were men and women. Yeah. And now we've got lots <laughs> yeah. of urges. So, so this whole idea of orientation. So here, here's what's been fascinating in the, in the gay Christian idea. So I have a son who has disabilities. And one of the things I really appreciate about the nuance of language that's happened in our day, people call, well, it's just political correctness. No, I think it's really important to refer to my son the way I just did. My son has disabilities. Mm -hmm. huh. I don't want you to call my son 
a disabled person. I prefer he has disabilities, because as soon as you attach that adjective to him as the primary operative adjectives, that defines him way more by that than I want you to. I like the, this happens to be a profound experience he has on a daily basis every moment of his life. Mm. So I don't want to minimize the significance of his disabilities that he has, Yeah. but I don't want to call him <coughs> disabled. And I like that shift in language and the way. So at the same time, I'm watching a nuance in a helpful way with disabilities. Yeah. I'm watching the opposite with sinful desires. And now I am this thing that I discover myself to be yeah. rather than to experience. And, and, sin, and desires, whether they be just temptations or sinful or, or morally neutral, they don't define me. Yeah. And I hate this idea that you would ever call, oh, he's an impatient Christian, or he's a sinfully angry Christian, or he's, he's a Christian defined by this temptation he has, whether he gives into it or not. Don't do that to me. Don't reduce me to a particular desire that I feel overwhelming mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. That's not loving. But, so I think we agree on this. That's why I don't say I'm gay. I, yeah, I anything, yeah. what I like to even say is I, I'm, I'm a guy who just struggles with masculinity. That to me is the, yeah. like... I've defined that even more from my Very life. Helpful. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just a man who's, yeah. But at the same time, so I agree with what you said, yet I am treated differently because I am attracted to men. And that I am being treated differently by pastors, by church leaders. And so I'm not supposed to accept this. I didn't, and I don't, but you know, someone says, I'm not supposed to accept this, but I am treated differently. I, and this is where, again, by I'm me. not, not by you. I'm saying okay, in general. Oh, really? come on. <laughs> but how so? I mean, again, I think that... Well, I guess it's because there's a lack of wisdom, which you brought up, which is, again, which is why I'm trying to talk about the four T's. And then that's why I say I think the national statement just seemed like a missed opportunity to do something better. And even though I think, yeah, the national statement's like, hey, let's bring truth. Let's bring clarity to a lot of churches. How are you treated differently? Oh, when guys, th when guys think I'm just going to lust every second of my life. Yeah. Okay, so, so people who are unfamiliar with certain temptations, desires, sinful, it, it can be hard for them to understand. So very often, a guy's girlfriend will find out he has a problem with pornography, and she doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Right? It, she has all these ideas. Sometimes it's over. About, yeah, it's, yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of times it's over. I mean, she yeah. has categories for this. It's bizarre to her. Um, he's, a, he's an alien, right? Yeah. <laughs> And we guys are sitting around going, really? You don't sort of <laughs> know that that's a problem? And, 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 that, and yeah. that really good guys have this problem? Yeah. <laughs> and so the fact that people may not understand a particular desire suddenly shouldn't surprise us if they don't have it, right? So, um, so again, you're, nobody's alone in this. We all have a hard time understanding each other. We say... We have a hard time loving each other. Well, it's not just a particular sin, and that's one of the things I really want us to work toward. Not making a sin. I'm, I don't do it with, with homosexuality, same-sex desire. I don't do it with... I, I mean, I've, I've had brothers in Christ who are felons with pedophilia. Yeah. Right? And I want to mm. understand them, love them, be patient with them, uh, and... And not put them in some different category for the rest of their lives in my mind. Now, based on that particular sin, do we have wisdom that we operate with mm -hmm. working in children's ministries? Sure. But but that's just wise, trying to be wise, right? So we all feel alone. We all feel alienated. We all feel different. 
And so I get that in some some areas of, of our culture, this sin is demonized and made the bad one. But actually, I've seen a pendulum swing, and people say, you know, all sin's the same, doesn't really matter. And so, well, that's not actually true either. There are degrees of perversion. There are, yeah. We do move further. To, God knows the difference between stealing an apple and mass murder. Right? Yeah. So there are degrees of sin in the Bible. Jesus talks about the sin of Jerusalem being worse than that of Sodom and Gomorrah. So mm-hmm. we can be so simplistic. And I see more and more, especially among young people, saying, ah, sin's all the same, it doesn't really matter. But you better drink fair trade coffee or you're be ticked <laughs> off about it, right? So there will be all this conviction about food ethics <laughs> or gun control. Yeah. But, but other stuff they don't care all that much about. <laughs> well, okay, so let's conclude. I... And I want to make, this is important. I wanted to do this so people listening could hear where, where we're coming from. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to make, I want to sum up, I want to sum up what I think I heard today, which was leader, evangelical leaders feel there are churches who need, who want clarity, who want some, a good line to go by so that way people aren't confused and they could go to you. Right. Was that a good, like, and, and yeah. people who signed this really think it's good for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't think it's perfect. Sure, yeah, and I know Nobody that. No, but yeah. not one person got their way. When wrote <laughs> this thing. Not one. But it's it's a go-to for right now. Some you, of us fought some of the stuff tooth and nail, but went along. Anytime you do something with a group, <laughs> teamwork's one of the four teams. Yeah, it is. Teamwork requires compromise, right? So no one was completely happy with it. That's called teamwork. I wasn't got even invited. To <laughs> and then and then from the side of B camp, whether it's true or not, they. A lot of side B, I, I think a lot of side B people feel they were, they feel hurt. And then it was almost like a missed opportunity. Sure. So and, go write one. And so, yeah, maybe <laughs> so I'll, 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 yeah. And, but I, I wanted to, yes. We've got to keep asking this question though. And I asked this myself. I was hurt. Should I have been? Yeah. We, and that's a good question. To ask that question. Yeah. Should I have been? Well, we can, we can just hold on to our hurt <laughs> and our offense. But especially when I read that gospel statement that we're all in this together. That should have been number we, one then. Okay, Richard, when you write <laughs> yours, you make that one number one. <laughs> um, but, but to say, wow, this is just an effort to bring clarity to people who desperately need it because it's a very confusing time. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you're on board with these basic biblical ideas, just say, amen. Not, I'm hurt by this. Sure. Nobody's piling on. And I think part of how we, I, well, I wanted to read a good quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer about community uh, to end it. But I think I want people to know uh, we got to keep talking and listening to each other because we live with each other in community. We take communion together. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, this I I don't think the discussion's over yet. I don't know what's in it. I don't know. It's yeah. it's so still going. So I've I've had several conversations in the last two months with Christians who don't think homosexuality is a big deal anymore. Hmm. Right. So you live in a world where where uh, maybe people feel hurt because they are biblical convinced, and this feels like piling on. I'm seeing constantly in the broader perspective compromise left and right. Yeah. Fusion left and right. So in light of all the compromise, in light of all the confusion, how are you going to be helpful in that? And this is, and to. that's good yeah. for all people to hear. Yeah, is what we see, what we hear, because I think that's why we respond. 
to something like the national statement. Do one of you guys want to read this? I'll read it. Cool. There is a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient, inattentive listening that despises the brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus get rid of the other person. This is no fulfillment of our obligation, and it is certain that here too our attitude toward our brother only reflects our relationship to God. It is little wonder that we are no longer capable of the greatest service of listening that God has committed to us, that of hearing our brother's confession, if we refuse to give ear to our brother on lesser subjects. Secular education today is aware that often a person can be helped merely by having someone who will listen to him seriously, and upon this insight it has constructed its own soul therapy, which has been attracted great numbers of people, including Christians. But Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work they should share. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. I love that. That's good stuff. Yeah, I wanted to start this conversation with that, but hey, we'll end it with that. Uh, <laughs> but in that, this quote is just to say, I yeah. think we need to, just wherever we're at, let's listen to each other, yes. let's talk. Yes, indeed. And live together. Yes, indeed. So thank you guys for uh, you, doing yeah, this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, That's thanks great. for being here.